We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Lucky Lefty is on CFB Nation, presented by Twisted T. What's good with it, Lucky Lefty Podcast? Happy New Year to everyone, man. We speak nothing but prosperity and love to everyone. You see, Left has on the all black. Look, 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 yeah, yeah, I just wanted to show. I just wanted to put it out there that it's, it, it, it exists. The love exists for the LL, baby. We also have it in like what? I wear the black and white when you have the all black. We have the black with the orange. Probably a couple more ways. Merch coming soon. LuckyLeftyPod.com. Patreon will be up next week as well. Patreon, yeah. Dropping nuclear bombs on Patreon. Yeah. That's what we are. Or exclusive content we have coming up. I know Notre Dame fans are excited right now because of what Luke Fickle and the Badgers are doing to LSU and the Reliant Quest Bowl. I really could care less. I really could, Left, but it is what it is. Can we, can we get to some things, though, because we're going to talk Notre Dame. This is our show where we review the entire year. This is what today's show is about. They kind of project where things are going into the uh, off season. Uh, we look. I think. I think. In the next few days, we will have one of the incoming transfers on the show. I I'm trying to debate how much of that we want to put on the actual show. Is it show. Riley? Is it Riley? No, dude. I would never subject Riley Leonard to you. Oh, here we go. In an exclusive interview. Here it would probably be epic, though. It would probably be epic, though. It, it wouldn't be nothing bad. It's just like, I just want him to understand, does he know what the expectations are? Or maybe they had a conversation. Mm. I just couldn't imagine Marcus Freeman being from Dayton, not giving it to him the, the raw and uncut way. Mm-hmm. you here to win playoff games. His regular season success is yeah. not going to leave a legacy on Notre Dame like you think it will. Because we just saw Steve, you know. Yeah. So I'm excited. I think this is a good day because reviewing the year makes a lot. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
you need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So Lucky Lucky Podcast, the Anora Boy, brought to you by Anora Whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. That premium American whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. And if you drink, by all means, make sure you do so. Response, you say, man, it doesn't seem like you're as vibrant as you usually are. That's because I'm trying to stay quiet because the missus is trying to recover from last night. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to let her sleep as much as I can. Yeah. And I don't forget audio edibles each and every day, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You already know we reside at CFB Nation and we are presented by Twisty. Yeah. Yeah. Lucky Lefty Podcast. You already know we spin it different. All right, left. What smoke? What smoking brought to you by Fashion AlonzoJackson.com. And they say they run the city. That's what they say. That collab with planes is crazy. I will say that. That collab with planes is crazy. You know what's smoking? <laughs> the Chicago Bears locked up the number one overall pick in the 2024 NFL Draft. That's what's smoking. I know it's a Notre Dame show, but I'm talking my stuff this morning. Number one, again, Justin Fields, back-to-back weeks of proving he can be a dude in the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. We are open for business here in Chicago. New England, you need a quarterback. Let's go. Redskins, you know you want Caleb Williams bad. Eric the enemy, you know you want him bad. Let's go. Give up the picks. Give up the picks, dog. You can have your quarterback. It's all love. And we got another top 10 pick. It's time. And next week, we're going to stop the Packers from getting to the playoffs. Oh, really? It's all going down. It's okay. all going down. Okay. It's all going down. Okay. It's all going down. Yes, sir. So you don't care that the Lions locked up the division. Hey, man. What the NFL and that ref did to the Lions, who should be sitting in the second spot in the NFC playoffs right now, and the way the Eagles are looking, they're very beatable, man. Yeah. The Eagles are very beatable, man. They really are. And it, look, the NFL has to do something about this left. Because that that's horrific. When you have video evidence and audio evidence of the ref making a horrible mistake. They didn't change it because they know they wanted the outcome they got. You know, not that go. So, yeah. Yeah, you know the the ref may be the scapegoat, but the result was 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 got what they wanted. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yo, Liberty just scored on Oregon. Liberty's trying to prove that 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 offense is real against top competition. I well, first of all, it's Pac-12 defense, so. Mm-hmm. Put that in consideration, but I, I, then again, I told you guys, Liberty's offense is that deal. Mm. It's just the way they doing it. Definitely hard. Lucky Lefty Podcast. Well, you ready, Left? We're gonna start yep. it off like this, man. Let's get it. Let's have some fun, L.L. Nation. It's time for the lefties. 
Lucky Lefty Podcast. Man. Lefty Awards brought to you by Anora Whiskey. All right, left. Let's start at the top. The nominees for Offensive Player of the Year. Offensive Player of the Year. Nominees are Aldrich Estimate, Mitchell Evans, and Sam Hartman. Those are your nominees for the Lefty Award Offensive player of the year before this isn't long the list isn't long no it is not before we open the envelope left any comments about our three contenders Aldrich estimate mitchell evans and sam hart well i I feel like jordan Faison should have having a a late entry got in late got in late he's a late entry because i think his impact definitely has weighed in more than uh some of the impact that we are giving some of the guys throughout the season. But Jordan Faison, honorable mention, mm-hmm. I think he might be the bright spot in Notre Dame's offense that is unexpected but much needed. Yeah, let's, let's see if we can try this again, love. Yes, the first annual Lefty Awards right here, Lucky Lefty Podcast. Let us open up the envelope. Let's see, left. And the award goes to the beast himself, Aldrich Estimate. Aldrich Estimate, fantastic season on the heels of what was a sophomore year where he shared time with Logan Diggs, improved himself, had some fumbling issues last year. And with the departure of Logan Diggs, he really took over. He really did. He took over the leadership, ownership of that running back room. And the young man, his last carry at the University of Notre Dame was a touchdown against Stanford. 210 carries, 1,341 yards, 18 touchdowns. That's 6.4 yards. A clip. Offensive player of the year, Aldrich Estimate left. Yeah, I love it. Aldrich Estimate, man, I think uh was the most consistent impact. You yeah. talk about the the foundation to the house. He was that. We couldn't have uh been where we are today without him. And I think he is the big reason why we were automatic lock for nine potential 10 win game season because we had Aldrich in that backfield and that offensive line. He did exactly what was expected of him. He got better later as the season grown on and, and became dependable in clutch moments. He had some moments in the season. And not only was he impressive as a as a teammate, but he was impressive on the national stage, you know, leading in a lot of categories and also being in contention for some of the top spots of, you know, his class this year, which I think individually he had a successful career at Notre Dame. And then team-wise, he's been a part of a lot of success. So to add some of a career for Audrey SMA, he's definitely ranked in the top uh, and deserving in the top uh, great running backs. And, you know, he was able to have a good, good run at it. Look, I always say this, man. Young men like Aldrich Estimate, it goes back to the opt-out question and situation. Kirby Smart had some choice words after the Georgia game and the disappointment that his team just really had to come out and play. They knew the team that they were facing wasn't going to be Florida State, the team that played all year. But he said, it's our job to come out and play. And that's what my guys did. He said, I hate that fans had to watch this because it wasn't a game that it was pegged to be, sold to be, advertised to be. But, you know, this is what you get now. And 
Yeah, there's no reason Georgia should have been left out, but they're hating on their success. There's no way you lose one game in thirty years in three years. You lose one game and now you somehow out of the contention of being the best team or to win a championship. I just think that's preposterous. Mm-hmm. And college football, you know, hopefully learn well, is how much do you really learn when you're changing over to a whole new system? You know, so I think if anything, they probably lost a lot of money on this game, knowing just because Georgia was the better team regardless, and they showed it and did what they were supposed to do. So easy bowl game victory for them and something they can build off of. But one loss in three years, you know, they should be in that. Those games that happen in the day. Yeah. It's tough, man. It's tough. But I applaud Audrey Estime. No shade to him. No shade to his decision. I'm glad his career, his last carry, symbolizes what he meant. I think it symbolizes that I think he improved even as a running back during his time at Notre Dame. Like the type of he running back he became. He improved his durability, man. He improved yeah. his durability for sure. And you can see his feet, his vision. I think everything got better. Everything got better. I think he's definitely top 10 all time at Notre Dame. But more than that left, um, he might be top three most loved running backs of all time. Like, you're just talking about the way the fan base, like, loves this guy. He might be top three most loved running backs of all time. Without a doubt. Lucky Lefty Podcast. All right, let's get to the next award left. Your nominees for Defensive Player of the Year. Your nominees for Defensive Player of the Year. Cam Hart. Howard Cross. Benjamin Morrison. And Xavier Watts. Those are your nominees for Notre Dame Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, Before we open the envelope left, what are your thoughts about our nominees? All had great seasons, some more over underrated than others. Uh, I think Cam Hart had a very under. If you just look at the metrics in the film, Cam Hart might have had the most consistent season out of the entire secondary. It's very possible from an evaluator looking at film to say that. Yeah, I was going to say how Cross was underrated. Oh, man. Underrated yes. and unexpected. Mm-hmm. Didn't know he was going to make the impact that he ended up making. So, in a lot of ways, you know, I think he's like sixth player of the year, if that was an award. If the lefty award had sixth player of the year, Howard Cross would be that guy. Um, But also, in terms of Defensive player of the year, I don't think he was the impact that made him the best on the team. I think, you know, you, you mentioned Cam Hart. Um, I think my guy X really just impressed with the unexpectedness, but also the ability to stay consistent enough to be an award winner at the end of the season. It just shows that you lived up to and beyond what we even thought you could do. So I think that just outright deserves uh, the credit for it. But Ben Morrison is a constant. I think he's like LeBron. He, LeBron can win the MVP every year, for real. If if they, would, if they were really evaluating it the right way, LeBron should be in the conversation every year. Yeah. Ben Morrison is that constant. He He's automatically top three player on the team and his consistency, you would get bored with it because you would just be like, well, you know, what did he do? But what he's doing is being consistently great at his position and you overlook it because you get comfortable with the consistent effort. So he's always going to be in contention. So the guys that win it have to do better than that. So unfortunately, Ben Morrison's the baseline because it's an easy give every year if we wanted to. Yep. 
But if you see an uptick in the performance from a player like Xavier Watts, I think he's deserving of it for a year-by-year basis. Now, yes. over the span of the four, who knows? Mm-hmm. But for this year, I think from him surpassing the baseline of greatness and consistency by Ben Morrison, it should be X. I'll say this, man. Once again, you know, you can look at stats and base everything upon stats and awards. But what Benjamin Morrison did this year, basically taking away the best receiver a lot of games. And literally, Xavier Watts can attribute three interceptions to tip passes from Benjamin Morrison. That's what I'm saying. Like his, you know what I'm saying? Ben Morrison is the baseline greatness for the best on the team. Yeah. Because it would be easy. Oh, yeah, you can easily give it to Ben every year. That's like Julian Love. Julian Love was like the underrated best player on the team. Mm-hmm. But we would never call him the best player on the team. But he would never be out of the top three either. <laughs> in terms of importance, like mm-hmm. in the playoffs, when we're missing guys, when, when Clemson was missing Trevor, it was a difference. Miss Trevor, when we played him and they and we beat him, Trevor came back. It wasn't, you know, you saw the difference. Same team, same guys, but one guy made the difference. So that's Ben Morrison for us, or defensively. So that's why it's like, yeah, it's, it's an easy nomination. He's an easy nomination. He's like be uh, Nicki Minaj and Beyonce. Easy nominations for the Grammys and every year. Because everybody is like, can you be better than Beyonce and Nicki Minaj for one year? That's usually how it goes. I feel like we're body shaming Howard Frost. Let me tell you what I mean. If someone had that high rate of pressure from that position, but instead of 6'2", 280, he was 6'4", 310. He would probably be the MVP. He would be still <laughs> the love he would give. Because then he would be a surefire first round pick. Yeah. Right? Sure. He might not be coming back to Notre Dame. And the love would be different. But now, because he's an overachiever, um, it's all it almost takes away, in a sense, from his accomplishments. And if he had done a better job of finishing some of those plays, because getting pressures, remember Mark Freeman's like sacks. You know, we want pressures. I'm not really worried about sacks. Yeah, we kind of disagree with you, coach, but, you know, we want the sacks. We want the impact plays. We want to see those pressures finished in the pocket. Kind of like what you did collectively against USC and Caleb Williams. You pressured him, but you got him on the ground as well. And that's vitally important. So, left, let's open this envelope, man. And the open winner is. Yeah, yeah. Xavier Watts, man. Had to give it to him. That's Had right. to give that's it right. to him. That's Had right. Give it to him. Seven interceptions on the season, 30 solo tackles, one forced fumble. Four passes defended and the Bronco Nagurski player of the year. And we'll get to it because he is returning to Notre Dame as he announced on Saturday evening. They need to pay him that money then if he's going to come back. <laughs> Yo, you saw your boy. Like, Look, we pay you a nice little bag, man. Go get you a little master. Secure that four for 40. You know how that goes. Secure that four for 40, man. Go ahead and get you a degree. You know, we put some nice incentives around your apartment. Put a jacuzzi in there or something, you know. You're going to go into a season where you're going to have better stats and numbers. If we keep out going, you're making money. So, if anything, Xavier Watts' return indicates a return of our goal. Because mm. if I'm Xavier Watts, if it's not Al Golden I'm rocking with, I'm leaving for the lead. Yeah. This is going to be funny to see how this plays out. This might be the first upset 
of the Lefty Awards. Coach of the Year, Left. Notre Dame Coach of the Year. Okay. The nominees are Elon McCullough, Mike Mickens, and Al Golden. Those are the nominees for the Notre Dame Coach of the Year. No Al Washington? Stop playing with me, man. <laughs> Stop playing with me. Now, what are the qualifications for Coach of the Year? I'm glad you asked because this is college football. This is not the NFL. So you can't have the Coach of the Year without including recruiting. There you go. Recruiting must be included when you vote for the left Notre Dame Coach of the Year. We want people, we want people to remember that. We want people to remember that. You must include recruiting. All right. So thoughts on the nominees, left. All right, look. Dela McCullough from a recruiting standpoint, development standpoint, getting all the running backs carries and getting them to stay and buy in. And the talent that has developed in that running back room in the season we just had the offensive player of the year, August estimate. Dylan McCullough is a very strong candidate and worthy of being the coach of the year, in my opinion. Very worthy. I think Dylan McCullough has more help to be great. He was set up for greatness more mm. than I think the other coaches were. I think Mike Mickens to have a first-round talent. Mm. And to be able to be consistently great with a guy like that, I think it proves that a guy that's more unknown, and he wasn't shipped in like Dina McCullough was. He's a guy that's been ground up with Marcus Freeman. His recruiting has been A1 because he's turned the recruits he's liked into players. You got guys like Carson Hobbs that you feel good about because you see a guy like Christian Gray. Because you see a guy like Ben Morrison. So you start to see a pipeline developing that you can appreciate when it comes to what you you look at in the perspective of coach of the year and to be able to to nurse the situation that he has and to have the best unit on the best side of the football for this year. I think Mike Mickens definitely deserves um, a lot of the credit. And then obviously Al Golden being able to manage it and call the right things and game plan and strategize and utilize players defensively in the second year to be able to grow with them and show a deeper level of, of defense. You, you see a guy that knows what he's doing. And I think because he's confident in what he's doing and Marcus Freeman trusting you see that relationship grow, and, you know, it's a reason why we're paying him the bag to stay because he's able to navigate all the pieces the right way while Marcus Freeman worries about maintaining the strength of the program. So Al Golden's a very good candidate, but I think just speaking on coach of the year, I think Mike Mickens takes the cake. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a powerful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. You ready to get to this envelope? Yep. All right. And the left Notre Dame Coach of the Year 
go to the best defensive back coach, Mike Mickens. That's right. You you nailed it right on the head, love. Mike Mickens wins the first annual Notre Dame coach of the year, the first lefty. And let me tell you something. Notre Dame overall is a top 10 defense. That's right. Al Golden and the way this defense has transformed itself in his second year under his helm, absolutely incredible. That's right. But, but let's be real. The anchor of this defense that allows the aggressiveness up front because they don't have the big time players that can just go get sacked off the edge consistently. They have solid guys. Riley Mills, Javante uh, Bortello, Bortello, Botello, Howard Cross, like we talked about, effective. But he has to be aggressive with the blitzes to create the consistent pressure. You know why he can be aggressive? Because he had, he had Mike Micken's guys locking up man-to-man all year long. All year long. Notre Dame, 27th in the country against the run. Still giving up over 120 yards on the ground. Still. So even though they had a top 10 defense, that run game mm, still needs improvement. You see what Moffa did in the Clemson game, right? Right, yep. Clemson was able to run the ball, jump out in front, and then take the ball out of Audric Estime's hand in the second half. And they put it in the hands of Sam Hartman, and you see what happened. Let me tell you something, man. The job with Leonard Moore and Carson Hobbs coming in next year, the job of evaluation, recruiting, coaching and development that Mike Mickens has done for his unit to become the anchor of a top 10 defense left. Let me give you the stats. Number three in the nation, yards per pass attempt at 5.7. Number three in the nation at passing yards per game at 164. Completion percentage. Defensively, 53%, number three in the nation. Amen. Opponents interception thrown percentage, number nine in the nation at 4%. It, as much as Al Golden was impressive as defensive coordinator, the defensive backs all year were really good. And like I said, I can give you a moment like Clemson. Jawar George against Louisville. Yeah. Marvin Harrison. Where teams and losses. Travion Henderson against Ohio State. Where big plays in the run game hurt Notre Dame. Was there a big play in the pass game that really hurt Notre Dame? As far as the defensive bats, the safeties missed some plays, right? Ohio State. DJ Brown. D.J. Brown dropped interception, the big fourth down, which was a safety issue in his own. Look, you just talk about what these cornerbacks were able to do. They just didn't give up much all year, man. They really did not. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, left. You want to have some fun? This is the yes, first. Sir. This is the lefties. We're about to get to suit. Those are the, the easy awards. We're about to get to some of the fun awards. The lefty for the worst loss of the year. The lefty for the worst loss of the year. It's a good award. Clemson. Louisville. 
and Ohio State. Now, on the surface, it might seem easy, but I can see all of these nominees being worthy of the lefty. I can really see it. The Clemson game, because Clemson was out without 11 starters left. You lost to a team down 11 starters. The Ohio, Ohio State game, two fourth down, fourth and inches twice, can't get it. Right? Ten men on the field the last two defensive plays. Just you had an opportunity to get a narrative changing win, and you just gave it away. Gave it away. Gave it away. And then Louisville. We see what Louisville was at the end of the year. We told you what Louisville was. Everybody was like, oh, they got transfers. And, uh, Louisville's Louisville, man. What are, we, what are we talking about? Very disappointing loss. Back end of a tough run for Notre Dame. But a very dis- disappointing loss. What are your thoughts on these three games, left? I think the Ohio State game was the program-changing loss that we couldn't recover from throughout the season, which makes it probably the most disappointing because we were the better team, in my opinion. Clemson was only a consolation prize of losing to Ohio State. I think the momentum at that point and the zest and the the – the vigor of the team wasn't in it. And so we was asleep at the wheel and, you know, we paid for it. And I think it only exposed the fact that Sam Hartman wasn't that guy because, like I said before that game, he had to pull his team through the the finish line and all eyes and spotlight was on him to win the game and he couldn't do it, so... It was less disappointing because I knew what it would take to win and it wasn't able to be done. Also, Clemson is a legacy team at this point in the decade, so losing to a team that's good individually, I think it's one of those things where it fits into the narrative of not winning the games we're supposed to, which makes it disappointing. Hmm. And then you got Louisville, it's just in my mind, it's similar to a a game like Stanford is because regardless of how good they appear to be, they're just still Louisville. And as a stapled program in college football history, you just don't lose those type of games. I don't care how good they are for a season or whatever the case is, you don't lose them to those games. And I know emotionally it was – a tough battle that was like our fifth primetime game. But, you know, it goes back to the expectations of what we signed and got to do. Was it met? And the games we're supposed to win, that wasn't even in the contract. So to put up the points we did and to be how it was, it was very disappointing. But I do think that the out of all three games, the game that would have made the biggest impact on the season was Ohio State. Mm-hmm. So I choose Ohio State. All right. Worst game of the year. Lefty award goes to Ohio State left. As we said before at the beginning of the season, look, man, you have one game on this schedule that can change the narrative. I'll note it down. One, USC coming into the season, we expected to win that game. Notre Dame loses to Louisville 38-20 and two hours later is in steel installed as a six-point favorite over USC. Where does that happen? That tells you what people thought about USC. Heck, my daughter was a season ticket holder, and after the second game, gave her tickets away. Called me and said, no, they're they're not going to be good this year. So that USC, too. Louisville, watch them, too. The Miami game, the Kentucky game, the Clemson, too. Just watch Louisville, man. They are who we thought they were. They were Denny Green talking about the Bears back in the day. And Notre Dame flat out let them off the hook. They let them off the hook. But with all of that being said, Ohio State, ooh, man, 
Ohio State was tough. That was tough. Being there, the feeling we felt walking to the car left, it was almost disbelief. That was a tough game and one of the biggest missed opportunities in the two-year coaching reign of Marcus Freeman. Yep, I agree. Before we get to best win of the year left, freshman of the year, freshman of the year, the nominees are Christian Gray, Jordan Faison, Rico Flores, and Jeremiah Love. Those are the nominees for your Notre Dame freshman of the year. Comments about our nominees left for freshman of the year at Notre Dame. It's prestigious award. It's yeah. High expectation, look forward to, to hold on to as you continue and progress through the year. And so, you know, I think the success of the unit of the secondary, Christian Gray, is an easy choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, all the guys are deserving. So I'm, I'm going to just wait to see who wins this one. So you finally came around on the lacrosse guy, but you're you're still not willing to give him the nod because of uh, your lacrosse bias. Is that it, left? Listen, it's more of a program impact. Can't have the lacrosse guy walk in and just take over your track now. You know, yeah, you'd be a valuable player, but that's not good for what's the program say. You know, you recruiting all these guys, spend all this time, and then you get a walk-on that's just the best player? I just don't like the narrative. I don't know, man. The young man came in, didn't even start at the beginning of the year, forced his way into the rotation. And, hey, Rico Flores played really well. I think we're forgetting the fact that Rico Flores, at one point, due to injuries, became the number one guy in the wide receiver room. And and played okay. He played okay. You know, Jordan Faison in his short time. Now, see, this is, this is going to sound crazy because he had 19 receptions, 322 yards, four touchdowns. That's almost 17 yards a pop. Rico Flores, 27 receptions, 392 yards, one touchdown against Ohio State at 14 and a half yards a pop. Uh, I think Jaden Greathouse, pre-injury, definitely would have been part of the nominees because he was really smoking to start off the year, but that hamstring injury really hurt him. Jeremiah Love, um, I don't think he had production, but I think Jeremiah Love, but we're just talking about who flat out is the bigger playmaker. Like somebody on Twitter was like, yo, when is Jeremiah Love like going to break a big one? I'm like, so you forgot about his cut back down the right sideline run? Like he's had big runs, you know, but he just didn't have the production to win this award. If we're basing upon, you know, projection, then I would say, okay, maybe Jeremiah Love. But based upon production, I think it comes down to one of the other three nominees. Uh, Christian Gray had probably the best play with the one-handed interception against Pitt out of any pressure all year. Absolutely, in my opinion. Um, This is a tough one, Left. This was a tough one. All four guys were deserving, some more than others. But the winner of the Freshman of the Year Award goes to wide receiver Jordan Faison. It's a high-inside award, but I, I get it. And, I mean, left, we include the bowl game. So, you know, his total season coming from lacrosse, walk-on, practice squad, getting into the rotation, and then immediately getting into the rotation against Louisville on a big stage and immediately makes the big play in the game for the wide receiver court. So I'm just saying, Les, the kid made big plays, bro. He made big plays. He has a bright future, especially if he can be 
the third option. See, I don't need Jordan Faison needing to be the, the, the one or two option. Maybe a 2B. Maybe a two at times. He definitely does not need to be the one option. I agree with you. Chris Mitchell needs to be one. We need Bo Collins to step up and possibly be a one. Maybe Cam Williams as he grows, maybe even Jaden Greathouse. I do not want to go into the next year with Jordan Faison being your one. Ideally, Cam is the number three go-to. We got to find number one. Number one B, if not two, is Chris Mitchell. Mm. That's the that's the formula. So if we do an algebra, is Cam is X plus Cam Williams times Chris Mitchell equals B. You you actually putting together a full Pythagorean theorem theorem over there. That's right. That's right. Because we gotta find X, which uh-huh. is the number one receiver. And then through that, we get B, which is that true number two. Because hmm. Cam's three and Chris Mitchell's one B, if not two, but we need a two. Because yeah. Cam Mitchell, I'm sorry. Cam Williams got to be that Jackson and Jigba Smith with mm-hmm. Chris Olave and a Garrett Wilson. I had, and when we were discussing, left, there was a heavy lean towards Christian Gray. It really was. It really because we both were impressed with the way he just came in seamlessly, right? From the jump and the confidence, the coverage. I think he had trouble with Bo Collins against uh, the only problem I saw with him in coverage was Bo Collins against Clemson. But hey, Bo Collins gave Benjamin Morrison some problems, which, you know, I hope he can come in and give defensive backs on the schedule next year problems for Notre Dame. But Jordan Faison deserved this especially the way he ended things in the Sun Bowl, being the Sun Bowl MVP. Congratulations, the first annual lefty freshman of the year, Jordan Faison. All right, left, best win of the year. The nominees are the comeback win against Duke, 21-14. USC, 48-20, dominating Caleb Williams and the Trojans. And the peace after the storm is what I call it. North Carolina State, 45-24. Three impressive wins for different reasons. Talk about the nominees for best win of the year, Left. USC was refreshing to be able to put them back in their place Hmm. and set them on a destructive finish that they had to their season. Mm -hmm. I don't think they could have recovered. You said the North Carolina win? North Carolina State win. They go to North Carolina rooms. State win was the most depressing win because oh okay it gave us a lot of hope for what we didn't get after that game. Mm. Tight ends was involved. Play action was heavy. Points total was high. We was winning games, flashy and fun. A lot of guys was involved, and we went away from that. So that was the the most exciting but depressing loss. And then the first one was which one? The Duke comeback win. Duke comeback win was fun. Uh, it was an emotional win. I think it showed the strength of our team. And at that time, was running the football, and Audrey won the game. So I'll probably say Duke will win. But the North Carolina State game hurts more than it was a victory in my mind. And then the USC game was was surprising, but we beat USC. You know, we really, you know, that was a game we had to win. So I think Duke was the the best win because of its um, circumstance mm-hmm. and in the show, you know, we're winning games, running the football. Who's doing that? Well, the Duke game, you had two big plays, right? The object estimate touchdown to seal the deal. They get the two-point conversion. 
to make it 21-14. You had the fourth down conversion on the run by Sam Hartman, which was crazy, and arguably his biggest play of the year at quarterback, right? His biggest contribution on the season was in that Duke game. USC, Xavier Watts, yo, hits the main stage. Like the game he had just really catapulted him to the Nagurski Award, in my opinion. Al Golden and what they did to what is possibly the number one overall pick in the 2024 draft and Caleb Williams. And then Aldrich Estimate comes out from that the thunderstorm break against North Carolina State and goes 80 off the bat. But it was disappointing because you saw the running game go, right? You saw the play action to the tight ends. You saw the use of the second tight end holding stays, which Notre Dame never seemingly got back to when Mitchell Evans was going as the number one tight end. So, yes, that North Carolina State game was kind of puzzling because you're like, okay, this is going to be the formula moving forward. And it seems like we never saw that formula ever again, right? Getting him, getting Sam Hartman out the pocket, waggles, tight end, off play action. It never happened, man. And that was disappointing. And that was the inconsistency of the play calling from Jared Parker that frustrated Notre Dame fans for the majority of the season. So let's go ahead. And this is a tough one left. Because like you said, most people will be nostalgic about the Duke game and the comeback. But let's see. The best win of the year left the award goes to USC 48 to 20. USC 48 to 20. The USC win was huge left because it was on the back of that disappointing Louisville loss. And the fan base needed something after the disappointment of Notre Dame playing horrible against top teams. The offense still didn't play great that game. They were given short fields. But that's a good cop out. That's a good cop out win for the season, I guess. It, it really population win. Yeah, it was like the, game. the way we won, you know. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, if we won the other games, you know, I think USC would be the third best win. Mm. I can see that. I can see that. For me, I do. I think you can make an argument for that North Carolina State kind of being really the best overall win with both sides of the ball playing well. Now, if we're going to look at it from that standpoint. With circumstance included, yeah. We yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just playing away, yeah. raining, all that. Yeah, it can definitely be looked at as the Aldrich most impressive win. Yard. Aldrich had an 80-yard, you know, touchdown run. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. You know, North Carolina State definitely could be the most impressive win. But the way Notre Dame was feeling, the fan base, the team, the way they recovered from that disappointing loss and Marcus Freeman got his team ready to go. Yeah. We gave it to USC. Smaller than the experts thought, but win of the year is definitely. USC. All right, left. We got two more awards left. Two more awards, and then we'll get to, you know, some other stuff on the other side. Xavier Watts, what he'll bring to the team next year in return. And then we'll preview the two big games this afternoon in the college football playoff. Before we get that, let's get to the 2024 Expectation Award. 2024 expectation award you ready for this left that's right who has the biggest expectations in 2024 the nominees are wide receiver transfer chris mitchell quarterback transfer riley leonard Linebacker going into his third season, Jalen Sneed. Starting left tackle, Charles Jagusaw. I'm going to say that correctly. Jagusaw. 
or Jackie Star, based upon what he said at the Sun Bowl. And last but not least, Al Golden's defense. Al Golden's defense. Let's talk about the nominees, love. Biggest expectations for 2024. The Lefty Award goes to. Oh, man. This it's is going to be hard. It's going to be hard. hard. Because, hey, Riley Leonard, my man. It's hey, top bro. two, if not one. Hey, bro. What's, what's a better story than that? That's the, that's the question. There is nothing. That's going to be it. Two losses next year with Riley Leonard is unacceptable. I'm talking about in the regular season. In the regular season, two losses is unacceptable. One, maybe, maybe. Two, nah, fam. You I don't even care man. about the losses. Is what are you going to do in the playoffs, Riley Leonard? Because well, they, have, they you, have to win games we, to get to the playoffs. Without Riley, we knew we can possibly take some losses with a first-time starter in Steve or Kenny or CJ Carr. Yeah. But we knew we could make the playoffs with those three as well. So the question is not about the losses, about what can you do in the playoffs, Riley Leonard. Just like Russell Wilson, I love what Denver did. Oh, we're not making the playoffs? Russell, we benching you. Riley, oh, you're not, you're not living up to expectation. We putting you on the bench. Yeah, you were favorited. We paid you and all that, but we putting you on the bench because we got a program to run. That's how we got to carry ourselves. Yeah, I think the expectations for Jalen Sneed are at an all-time high as well. Coming off that Sun Bowl, uh, fans had high expectations for this young man when he came in as a freshman. And he finally... With the departure of Maris Leofow, got his opportunity. He took full advantage of it. He was all over the field making plays, you know, sniffing out reverses and other play-action plays. Even got in on the pass game, a couple of tip passes. Jalen Sneed, huge expectations for next year. Charles Jagusaw, what can we say? Could he be the next one in the run of Notre Dame left tackles? Big shoes to fill. Huge shoes to fill. What he showed in the Sun Bowl as a true freshman in his first start, I think, yeah, the expectations are real. This is what Notre Dame expects from our left tackles, left. You're next in line. You're playing that position. We expect you to be a first-round pick when the time comes. We expect you to be a first-round pick when the time comes. It is what it is. Al Golden's defense, top 10 defense, the talent. Literally, the physical talent is better, just physical talent, next year. They're deeper. Even with the departure of Nolan Ziegler, who hopped into the transfer portal, which tells you about the talent at the linebacker position and what they're bringing in at the linebacker position with Bodie Cahoon and KBA, guys that made the top 10 list for the Buckets Award out of high school. Let me tell you something, man. Al Golden, third. If you're given an extension, as is reported by a lot of people connected to Notre Dame, the pressure to either stay at that level of top 10 or to improve, which can be done easily by improving in the run game. If they improve in the run game defensively, they will go from top 10 to possibly top five. And probably decrease scoring per game by the yeah, I agree. I think that the defense has potential to cross over into elite level where the conversation is in a top five standpoint, which would make everybody very greenlit, very valuable, uh, showcase, spotlight, however you want to put it. And I think the potential is there with a lot of guys coming back key players and key positions to make the defense go, but the difference is a third-level dimension, a third layer, you know, it's like that 
the three lever the three layer cake or the three layered nachos it always goes a little bit better just because you get to add more and it, and it, and it makes it harder for teams to break down that much film and to see the evolution of a defensive coordinator staying in one place you see the value of what it adds to the team over the years in terms of consistencies into in winning but also how players are able to develop and go to the lead at a high rate and just from this year alone you see what a year two defensive coordinator can do at notre dame compared to a year one year one has a lot of stats has a lot of good looking numbers but what was the development of the players did everybody get the maximum out of the offense or was it geared in a niche way defensively i think everybody got a chance to show themselves in a positive way get some good film and even be able to be surprising on levels where we won awards and have first level a uh, first round talent so that only comes from a defense coordinator knowing who he has and also uh, playing to the team strengths and that's such, and that's something where we talk about x factors defense have easily notable guys you can point out as x factors and they were x factors week in and week out ben morris xavier watts howard cross riley mills has some days cam hart you had every you know jd bertrand even has some days so it just shows you right there it's not hard to rattle off x factors offensively you talk about audrey jeremiah love and then you start questioning impact mitchell evans when he was healthy so where do you go from there? And I think that's something offense has to answer, and Denbrock is the perfect solution for that. Quarterback DJ Uagalele just committed to Florida State. I feel even more comfortable about that game in November now. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, I like what DJ did. I think he got better as a quarterback at Oregon State, but I don't think he's accurate enough as a passer with the DBs we have. That's just my opinion. That's just my opinion. Now, if Toa uh, Toa Philly comes back, because I know they lose, I think, two of their top three running backs. If Toa Philly comes back, uh, the offensive line, I know they lose three guys. So Mike Norvell, they're going to have an impressive defense. That secondary should be okay. They'll be young, but they should be okay. But they lose a lot on that defensive line, a lot. Patrick Payton would be back. But getting DJ Wagalele doesn't scare me. Doesn't, doesn't scare me at all. Like like I said, Miller Moss, that's cool, but Miller Moss doesn't scare me. These guys don't scare me. No. He doesn't scare me. Doesn't mean that the teams can't win against Notre Dame. I'm not just sitting here saying, oh, snap. We got to face that dude. Hmm. I'm sorry. I'm cool. Left, are you ready? Because this last one, I saved the best for last. The first annual lefty Notre Dame story of the year. The nominees are the Andy Ludwig debacle, the Jack Swarbrick letter, the Sam Hartman failed experiment and the Chancey Stuckey firing. Those are the nominees for the Notre Dame story of the year. Oh, I didn't give the winner for the last award. I'm sorry. Expectation award. Now I'm sorry. Now that we have the nominees for story of the year, here's the winner for the expectation award. And the winner goes to Riley Leonard. That's right. Absolutely, Riley Leonard has the biggest expectations for 2024. Unfortunately, but, fortunately. And a lot of it is because Marcus Freeman is saying, you're going to win. You're going to bring it home. Hmm. You're not here to get better necessarily. You're here to make us better. Because what we're saying with this transfer is that with you, we're complete. With all your flaws. Because whatever you're doing is so much better than what we have. And we put on display what we have and it's pretty dang good. Good enough. 
So you expected to win it all in a, in a territory that nobody's really ventured to. We don't know how these playoffs are going to be. Mm-hmm. They don't know what we need to be prepared for. So that's the unfortunate part about it. But if the talent is what we've expected it to be, then this is a potential year where we can mess around and get to the place where we want to be, you know, through seeding and good depth and timing, we can definitely make a run for it. 